This is the uh, pleasures of podcasting and letting your wife borrow your things. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who may or may not have three dozen b- dead bats on his roof right now, my brother Mike. Well, th- that number is actually coming down by the day, so Ooh. it's a fun little game here in my household. It's how many bats are going to be laying in my driveway in the morning, you know? <laughs> and these are all deceased bats, um, and hopefully we've got the problem now fixed so that they no longer hide underneath my roof, but... Um, the next yeah. season of American Horror Story will be set at Mike's house because it's just my dead, roof dead is bats. a bat dead bat mausoleum. It's yeah, it is. it's real creepy, real scary over there. You think Greenwood, Missouri, just like a tiny little uh, town? <laughs> Boom, dead bats all over your face. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, welcome on this week's episode. We'll look back on another dismal week. I'm coming up with new adjectives all the time, people. A dismal week from the Royals. Discuss possible trade deadline and draft acquisitions because that's a lot more pleasant to talk about than the, how the team's actually playing. And then we'll preview this week's games. But first, Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. When she flexes, other people's clothes rip. Okay? Yeah. That's, that's what we're that's talking about. That's how rough it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. The excellent specialized care she got at All In Physical Therapy had her back to believing or being active in no time. The uh, hardest part for her is not hurting people when they volunteer to shake their hand. So I don't recommend shaking hands with this beast. Okay. Just give her a bow, like a, like a nice respectful. Don't, don't look her in the eyes. Keep your, keep your eyes down. Nice. Give her a bow. bow. Okay. Timid bow. Yeah. All in physical therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freevert, a former arena league football player, Northwest Missouri state Bearcat and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both blue Springs and Lee Summit. So get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All In Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. We'll start the review of last week with roster news. This will probably be the, well, it's not going to be the happiest because we, we lost somebody big this week, but talking about the gameplay is going to be real rough too. Uh, my, <laughs> the big headline news of the roster week is that Vinny Pasquantino was put on the 10-day injured list with right shoulder instability. He's, in, he's unstable, much like your mind. <laughs> uh, what do you, this is the same problem that landed him on the injured list last year. What are your thoughts on Vinny Pasquantino going down for what is going to be at least 10 days? I wish I could give some thoughts on it, but I don't know what it means, you know? And I had forgotten that he went down with that last year. Is it a long-term concern if he's gone down now multiple times with it? I I have no idea, but uh, it doesn't sound good. Like shoulder instability to me sounds like, like a a root problem to other things. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't sound good. I want to see him back out there. He was struggling uh, as uh, you know, anyway, but, um, you know, you figure you want him to work those struggles out while he's on the field. You don't want him to have to go on the injured list or, or anything like that and then have to work back from the injury and make the adjustments that he needs to make hitting. So really sad to see that. Uh, we This lineup desperately needs Vinny Pasquantino to be hitting well. And so uh, really sad. Hopefully after he can get back as soon as humanly possible 
And hopefully that little break from being on the 10 day IL gets his mind right in the batter's box as well. Yeah, without him, this offense is roof. Have you seen the numbers? Like with him, when he's hitting, they get like four and a half runs a game. Without him or when he when he's not hitting, they score like three runs a game max, I think was the well, just under three runs a game when he's uh since he got into his slump basically. And so yeah, they need him in the lineup and they need him hitting because they have quite a few other places in the lineup that are not. And so yeah, uh, not not great to see this from him, but you know, obviously it could be worse. It's weird. I hate making excuses for the Royals because they don't really deserve them. (laughs) They've been so bad, they don't deserve excuses. But to be this bad, you also have to both be a bad team and have really bad luck. And boy, have injuries have now just kind of decimated them. Now, injuries are up all across baseball, so I don't want to like, everybody's got injuries, right? But a team that really can't handle injuries is a team that has no depth. The Royals both have no depth, and so they can't handle injuries, right? And so Vinny goes down now. We've seen... Four of their top seven starters have been on the injured list for a significant period of time this year. It just, it's really hurt them, all these injuries. Um, but yeah, hopefully he can get back after 10 days. It didn't take him all that long to come back last year. And so hopefully he's back. He hits the ground running when he gets back. The Royals sent another uh, key piece of their roster to the injured list as well. Josh Stamont went on the 15-day injured list with a neck strain. That was retroactive to a little while back, but so, we sh- so he'll be out probably roughly the same amount of time as uh, jo- or as uh, Vinny Pasquantino in terms of games missed. But Mike, what are your thoughts on Stamont back to the IL, had some issues with injuries in his career. What are you thinking? My, my first thought was they must've gotten tired of using the shoulder impingement thing, right? <laughs> Too many guys have shoulder impingements. What are we going to make this one? Ah, neck strain. Why not? Um, his, his velocity's down this year again. Like he, he's not as effective as he was mostly because he relied so heavily on, uh, a very hard fastball that he no longer has. So, you know, I hope he gets healthy. I hope he gets right. And I hope we can trade him for some sort of value at some point. Um, or he comes back and pitches well for the Royals because, you know, this team needs every arm it can get that it is effective at getting outs in major league baseball. And at times Josh Stamont has looked very good at doing that. Um, but no, it sucks. Want him to be healthy. Hope it's not a long-term thing. Hope the Royals can either get value at him on the mound or in the trade. Yeah, that's the thing. For me, the idea is this hurts his trade value. Now, Josh Stamont has more years of control left than even Scott Barlow does. I think he has two years after this year. And so there'll be more opportunities to trade him if they would like to. And you honestly want him really healthy and pitching really well, and he's not really either right now. And so now's probably not the best time to trade him anyway. And they have a lot of other reliever trade candidates. And so that's not a thing. But it does hurt his trade potential. It does hurt the idea of him ever regathering value, this fact that his velocities down in the low to mid nineties at times. And, and that's just not 95, 96 or at times. What he, you know? That's not what he came up doing. No, so. it's not. And can he be effective there? Maybe because it looks like he's trying to diversify his pitch mix more, maybe add a second pitch and that sort of thing. That's fine. Uh, if he does that, that's probably better for him because he just obviously can't sustain that 98 to hundred mile an hour velocity. So yeah, add more pitches, Josh, Dom up because you're not going to be blowing it by guys all the time. And so yeah, I, I'm happy with that, or with him adding more pitches, but I'm not happy to see him constantly hurt. I'm not ca- happy to see the, the loss of velocity that we're seeing. Hopefully he gets back and he looks uh, strong again. A couple other smaller roster things. Edward Olivares went on the restricted list for a day and then came off for a personal matter. I don't know what that means. Nobody got any like inside dope, inside reporting on what that personal matter was. Don't know that I have, that I need to know as long as he's not going to jail or something. Um, you know, uh, so hopefully everything's okay with him. 
don't know about that. He was off it. He was on it for a day. They called up Nate Eaton. Then Edward Alvarez was off it or was um, off the restricted list. They kept Eaton because uh, Pascantino went on the injured list. But the Royals also brought up Austin Cox. That's to replace Josh Stamont, ostensibly. Uh, he pitched a little bit the other day. I think he did well again the other day. So it's a couple of he good did. outings for him. Yeah, he did. Uh, so far. So those are a couple of small roster moves that we've seen. Obviously, Nate Eaton is also on the Major League roster right now. We'll see if that sticks as guys like Kyle Isbell come back and so on and so forth. On the field last week, it was a real soggy dump for the boys in blue. Just awful. Uh, they went 0-6. Which brings their, that, that's winless. They went winless on a road trip to Miami and Baltimore, <laughs> everybody. Not a great East, East Coast swing for them. Um, they're just one and nine in their last 10 games. That brings their overall record to 18 and 47. I do believe they are only one game up for worst record in baseball at this point. And so we'll see how that's going. Mike, how you feel about that winless road trip? I mean, it's super depressing. Like a week without a win, almost now two full weeks without a win. And, uh, you know, gosh, it's, it's just so brutal. And it seems like every week it's something new offense can't score runs this week. Pitching sucks the next week. It's just so brutal. And then you add in the fact that, you know, your best offensive piece in Vinny Pasquantino gets hurt. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's so hard. It makes the season so long. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but it just, it, it, there's nothing to look at and go, well, that's, that's hopeful. We can look at that and hope on it. Right now, there's nothing to even have hope for. It's funny that you mentioned like one week it's this thing, the next week it's the next thing. Oddly, today, every aspect of their team was bad. And so I was like, hey, that's a real team (laughs) loss right there, guys. Like every department (laughs) did unwell, did poorly today. And so, yay, team loss for the Royals today. Well, I mean, I mean. Yes, but because we didn't pitch an actual starting pitcher, the starting pitching wasn't terrible. Well, I don't know. The guy who started went one inning and gave up three runs. The guy who started (laughs) was terrible, but he isn't a starting pitcher. He's not. So I'm going to hold on to that. Okay. Wow, that is the, 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 I mean, that's that's a speck. That's a speck of hope, like dust, you know, like so tiny. Um, In a a very, very awful week, it was tough to find strong performers. Oh my god! So hard. This has to be the hardest. I've never the hardest week to find a strong performer. I've never had a in the years we've been doing this. You're going to see that mine is like a as as a performance is like a you know like yeah. uh, So Mike, give us your strong performer, and then we'll we'll try and salvage something. Uh, I went with Edward Olivares, who uh, I believe I, I think I forgot to write it down, but I believe he was five for fourteen. I couldn't even find a guy that played a lot. He only got 14 at bats and I I had to go with him because nobody who played all the, all the games and he went on the restricted list this week. Um, He did have two doubles, two triples, two walks and two strikeouts. I thought that was kind of interesting. And so, uh, yeah, he, he had an okay week offensively um, for the time that he got. If you can get that from Edward Olivares, you're going to love it all the time because his bat can be uh, something to, to contribute to the team. But yeah, it was so hard finding strong performers. I just jumped on him and went, cause I was the first one to fill out the outline and went, good luck, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw all of ours as he was the, I think he's the only guy who had an OPS over 800 this last week. He, he was. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I'm not taking anyone on the offense. I go to the pitching staff and I found Daniel Lynch. Uh, he had one start this week. That was a quality start. It was okay. Even by his own admission, it wasn't great. He didn't have great stuff or anything. But, you know, he grinded out six innings, three earned runs on eight hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. He looked okay against a Marlins team whose offense is not great, but it was playing pretty well. Uh, And so 
good for him. You know, he that's what Daniel Lynch honestly needs to do is string together. It, they don't all have to be dominant starts as a, as a, as an effective starter, you need to string together a long string of dominant and competent starts, right? Like it needs to be a mixture of the two. Maybe next time he comes out and he goes six uh, scoreless or something like that. I don't know, but if he can sort of string together competent starts, then the Royals know, okay, we got a guy who can at least be in this rotation. Okay. Because they don't have any answers beyond that. They don't have any, they literally have no answers in the starting rotation moving forward right now. Because Brady Singer's been terrible. Zach Greinke's a thousand years old. Jordan Lyles isn't any good. They don't have any answers. And so Daniel Lynch is looking like, okay, he might be. He's a maybe. Maybe he can stick in the rotation moving forward. He's going to have a tough one in his next one because he's going up against the Los Angeles Angels in his next start. So he'll be going against the two best baseball players on earth. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Mike, weak performers, plenty of guys to choose from there. A uh, lot, a lot of uh, weak performances out there. Who, who are you taking? Of the, this is a uh, fish in a barrel. Who, who are you grabbing? I, I, the fish I uh, shot at was Mike Myers, eight inning, the the bulk guy today and uh, five days ago. Um, eight innings pitched this week, sixteen hits in eight innings. He gave up and ten earned runs. This guy did not do great, and actually, and you know, Mike Myers is. You know, it was a fun story for the one or two good, good, uh, long relief, you might call it, uh, stints that he had. I would like to see Austin Cox in that role moving forward, or at least get a shot in that role moving forward. Um, he was an effective starter at AAA. Uh, I just want to see how he does, you know. I'd love to see Austin Cox in that role, because moving forward, I think that that's probably the role that he has on the team. You know, I, I don't know that he's a starting rotation guy in major league baseball, or at least maybe have him prove it this year in a long relief or bulk inning guy, and then see if, you know, he earns it next year in the starting rotation. If he does, if he comes out and kills in the bulk role, then he gets a shot at the starting rotation, in my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's throw spaghetti against the wall time, uh, essentially for, for the rotation, especially with all the injuries they've had and all the ineffectiveness and that sort of thing. Austin Cox isn't going to be any worse than, you know, Jordan Lyles has been, he's not going to be any worse than, a lot of the other options they have. And so do I think in a perfect world, would they be promoting Austin Cox and, and having him pitch significant innings, a number of innings in the major leagues? No, because I don't think his peripheral numbers down in AAA signal that he's ready. He has a good ERA, but his FIP is really bad. His adjusted FIP is really bad. He's not striking out that many guys. He's walking too many guys. You know, it's it, it doesn't look great on the peripheral numbers from him, but what the hell? He's been effective in, uh, in major league so far in limited role. If he can throw three or four innings for, for us as a bulk reliever, I'll take it. We know that Mike Myers isn't the answer there. So let's let's see. You know, I'm going with another Mike. I'm going with Michael Massey as my week performer this week. Massey was a guy who in May was really hot and, and did pretty well. Looked like he had changed his approach a little bit, was getting his walk and strikeout numbers back into uh, you know decent shape. He did has started to struggle as the calendar turned to June. He was one for 18 this week. One walk, three strikeouts, no extra base hits. It's tough for Massey. I, I wondered when he was getting hot, like, will it ever be enough? You know, like, will he ever have a good enough approach at the plate to right now, even even when it, even if we look at his May approach, we say like oh, the approach he had in May is different than the one he had in April. What is his May approach like? We might still say, ah, that's a 45 grade approach at best. You know, like he still swings too much. He still, you know, tries to swing at everything in the totality of the strike zone, even when he's up in the count too often and stuff like that. And so you still got to wonder, like, he's not going to have a huge power profile 
And so you really need him to be a guy who's going to get on base, who's going to, you know, hit line drives and that sort of thing. Tough to do when you're swinging at so many pitches. We'll see with him. You know, I think it's a, he's a big question mark. And luckily, the Royals have an entire season to see what's he going to be because they don't got to worry about wins and losses anymore. And so, Michael Massey, this is your season to prove that you belong in the major leagues, that you can have a major league quality approach, and hopefully he doesn't. But it was not a good week for him last week. Mike, not a good week for a lot of guys. Uh, what does that mean for your theme for last week? I went with a quote from a classic, classic film. Okay, if you've ever seen the movie film. Kingpin, that's right. If you've ever seen the film I, Kingpin? I, I believe I believe it won the grand jury prize at Cannes. Yes, probably. <laughs> it should have if it didn't. Uh, Woody Harrelson as uh, as down on his luck bowler Roy Munson. Okay, but in the in the movie, he asks one of his neighbors, "Hey, Mike, how's how's life?" And then the guy's answer is taking forever. <laughs> okay, classic answer to the question, "How's life?" And, and I, I was actually listening to Alex uh, Duvall and Josh Kaiser this morning on the Twitter spaces that they did. And it was great. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go listen to it. Um, but Josh kept talking about like how long it feels like the season is taking because the Royals are so bad. And I, I was just like, oh my God, that is completely correct. Like we're not through June yet. We have not hit the 65 game or 62 game mark or whatever it is yet. I don't think. Okay. Or maybe we're close. Actually, we've just gone over that. Okay. We have almost a hundred games left guys. Yeah. We could be the worst team in baseball. And I said that a couple weeks ago or last week, we might be the worst team in baseball. How's the season going? Taking forever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's um, super, super rough. Right. And so, yeah, I listen to that Twitter spaces too. Josh makes that point that, oh yeah, this season is taking for, and, and honestly, what I'm hearing for, like, I hear a lot from Royals fans, weekly readers who follow us on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that, YouTube. And by the way, go out there, leave us a comment, review. Uh, we haven't had an Apple podcast review in a while. I love reading them. Re- leave us a podcast, Apple review, Apple podcast review. It's great. Uh, but anyway, the ire. Like sometimes they get mad at me because I talk about the Royals as if I'm the one playing or something like, you know, like they are just so depressed. And obviously the hard part is when it turns from like sadness, anger, depression into apathy, then you're really in trouble as a team. Right. I think they're pretty much there from a lot of the fan base is completely apathetic towards the season, at least. And so it's, it's not great. You're right. When you're this, this consistently out of it in May, you're going to get apathy before July. That's how it goes, mm-hmm. guys. That and this team is consistently out of it in May. It's insane. Speaking of consistency, my theme for this week is why can't you do that all the time? So if you ask me why are the Royals as bad as they are, it's really a consistency issue, right? We see the flashes of talent from guys like Bobby Witt Jr. and, you know, Vinny Pascutino and MJ Melendez and all these different guys. The problem is we don't see it often enough, right? And so... I was watching an at-bat from Bobby Wood Jr. today. He, uh, this was early in the game, like the first inning, his first at-bat, his first plate appearance. That's the double off of Ryan O'Hearn's glove. Right. Yep, the double off Ryan O'Hearn's glove, right? He gets up 3-0, taking pitches that sometimes he swings at. And I'm like, great, this is awesome. You know, he gets down three, he gets, somehow the count gets back to full. And I'm like, that's okay. He's not swinging any pitches he shouldn't. He fouls off a pitch, or he takes a pitch 3-0. He was taking all the way. Fastball right down the middle. That's fine. 3-1. He fouls off a pitch 3-1 that he should have swung at. It was a good pitch to hit. 
And then on 3-2, he, he hits a line drive to Ryan O'Hearn. It goes off his glove, but it's a hard hit ball. It's a line drive. It mm-hmm. was well done. All I could think to myself is, why can't you do that all the time, right? Like, why can't you have that mentality all the time? And I understand he's young and these guys are learning and they're growing and all that sort of stuff. But every time I see them show me what they need to show me that they could be a good team as a whole, then they don't do it all the time. They get out of that the very next plate appearance or, the, or two two plate appearances from that or something like that. Same with Salvador Perez, honestly, today. Salvador Perez's first at bat today, he took two pitches got up 2-0, you know, it's like a very patient sort of approach from him. And then he laces a double the other way on a ball, on a pitch that's on the outside edge, but that he could swing at. It's one of those things that's like, I know you can do it. Why don't you do it all the time, right? Like, then that's the big question mark, the big issue for them. When they learn to be consistent, they will learn to be better. Royals Weekly is brought to you by Knapp Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? Storing enough spam to last for years. No. Oh. How about getting comfortable drinking my own urine because it's sterile and I like the taste? (laughs) (laughs) Also, no. Mike is apparently a doomsday prepper in this scenario. (laughs) Securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Nat Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Nat Family Wealth is run by J.C. Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead, education planning so your kids learn to read good, investment management so you can get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at KN or at NapFamilyWealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P FamilyWealth.com. Security and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. On this week's Spotlight segment, we certainly aren't going to talk about the Royals as they currently are. That's too depressing. Instead, let's take a look at the avenues they have to improve the talent of the organization, the, the trade season and the draft. Mike and I are going to each choose one trade candidate, one draft candidate, and one wild card, which could be a trade candidate or a draft candidate, that we'd be happy to see the Royals acquire in the next six weeks. Because the, the trade deadline, I believe, is August 1st. The draft is July 9th, which is three weeks away, basically. Well, I'm about a month away. Uh, so we will we will pick a trade candidate, a draft candidate, and a wild card. Mike, kick us off. Who do you like to see as your trade candidate? First, I, I have to tell the listeners here, when Mark and I dreamed this up, and it was my idea yet again, another brilliant one from me. I'm pretty much the creative director of this whole podcast. Oh, um, is that so? <laughs> two out of, this is our 88th episode, two out of 88. <laughs> creative director. Okay. I uh, expect a pay raise from that. Um, but when we talked about this, I was like, hey, let's do something like your dream person. So that's how I approach this. Okay. Kind of like a dream. These aren't necessarily realistic, although I will say a couple of mine are, and I'll explain how realistic they are. But my trade candidate is Brock Porter. And Mark, you know Brock Porter pretty well, I believe, because I think you did a write-up for him last year when Royals Farm Report put out their draft guide. And he was a high school pitcher in last year's draft, right-hander out of Michigan. Uh, Some people say he's the most polished uh, high school arm um, coming out in the draft last year. And I think MLB Pipeline had him rated as their highest pitcher, period, last year. And so, uh, yeah, he's got an upper 90s fastball, 60-grade changeup, plus a slider. Um, 
He's in the Rangers Rangers organization right now. And actually, here's here's the weird thing. He's the third highest rated uh, pitcher in their organization right now. Uh, they got Jack Leiter ahead of him, and they got uh, a guy named Owen um, White. Owen White. Owen White. There we go. And I looked at Owen White. I like him a lot, too. But I, I went with Brock Porter because I feel like um, – I don't feel like the Royals are going to be in contention in the next year or two now. And so if you need to take three years to develop a Brock Porter, although he is somewhat polished for a high school arm, um, but if it takes him three years to get to where he needs to be, that's okay. And so uh, I went with Brock Porter. I would be ecstatic if the Royals could trade some of those people to Texas where they have huge connections, obviously, in the front office um, and get somebody back like a Brock Porter. That would be awesome. And Texas could certainly use help in their bullpen. They are... They're doing really well, but they're not ironclad in the bullpen right now. And so guy like Aroldis Chapman, guy like Scott Barlow, see if any of those guys are in a, in a kicker and see if those guys are uh, interested. One thing I'll add to this was by far the hardest one for me to pick because there is some there's some decent pitching prospects in, in like the the back half of the top hundred of Major League Baseball prospects right now. Um, and just outside the top hundred, there's some decent pitching out there. And so I really struggled on that one. I went back and forth between three or four or five guys. There's a guy in Arizona I really like, but he's already had major league time. And so I didn't pick him. Um, there's guys with Tampa. I mean, there's just a bunch of, and, and these are guys that are all on teams that need something. Not I didn't go even look at really hardly teams that, uh, that aren't going to be trading away prospects. So uh, yeah, there, there's some guys out there. Yeah, and the Royals have already been, there have already been a bunch of reports about the Royals shopping or all this Chapman and what they want and all this sort of stuff. And you love to see that early because what they should be doing, I mean, this is a big trade deadline because obviously you see the desperate need for talent in this organization. And so they got to swing and they got to hit one out with their oldest Chapman, with Scott Barlow, with uh, what's his name, Taylor Clark, with, you know, whoever they decide they want to trade. Lopez. Nicky Lopez, yeah. Uh, and you know, some have even floated Alex Duvall did today on Twitter, hit that Twitter spaces, trading young guys like Michael Garcia and stuff like that. And so really everyone, but Bobby Wood Jr. And Vinny Pasquantino is on the table. If it allows them to reshape this organization talent wise, I think you, you could really boost, sorry, real quick. I think you okay. really boost a, a trade with, with, uh, Edward Olivares, a right-handed bat that, you know, provides offense and has years of control still. Uh, yeah, I would. If you gave me one of those bullpen arms and Edward Olivares, I think that's worth a back end of the top hundred or just outside the top hundred prospects. I agree with that one hundred percent because Olivares, his expected numbers are even better than his actual numbers. He's going to be a one hundred one ten to one fifteen weighted runs created plus guy no matter what. You know, if you're struggling in in, in the outfield to produce offense or in uh, at your DH position. He's a guy you should really think about. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the guy I chose. You chose a pitcher I really like, and would, that's a dream for me too. I would love to have Brock Porter. Um, love his whippy arm action. Dude just has a real flexible, very whippy motion. Uh, doesn't look mechanical at all up there on the mound. So I would love that. I went with another pitcher, and I, I took a guy who I have a personal connection to. And so uh, I chose Mike Vassell, 23-year-old right-handed pitcher in the Mets organization. He's at A right now. Uh, ton. He was a guy who had a first round buzz coming out of high school 
decided to let everyone know he was not available to be drafted, which usually guys don't do. Usually they get drafted. If they like the number, they go. He was like, don't draft me because I'm going to college. He went to the University of Virginia where he was taught by a swarthy young writing professor. Idiot. He was just just a gorgeous mustache on this guy. (laughs) I think he I think he imbued a bunch of wisdom into Mike Vassell. Mike Vassell then goes into the Mets organization has a eh, not great first year, but has taken off this last year. And so he's got 51 innings pitched this year with a 3.71 ERA and 0.84 whip. That is so good. A 0.84 whip. Very, very good. 57 strikeouts and only eight walks. Fastball, mid-90s, slider, curveball, changeup. A guy who I think is pretty rock solid as an option because – There's still some ceiling there. So he could be like a number three starter in a rotation, which is really good, but he's already to double a, and he's already performing there, right? The the difficulty with taking a guy like Brock Porter is he's in a ball right now. You don't know what it's going to be like when he transitions to the upper level of the minors. Mike Vassell gives you a little bit more certainty on that front, gives you a little bit more closer to the big leagues. So you don't have to wait three or four years. So a guy like Mike Vassell, I'd be very interested in if nothing else. So I can say, Hey Mike, remember me? Um, But anyway, uh, I think that would be a great get. He could be the centerpiece of a trade. The Mets right now are well, a couple games under 500, really struggling in the NL East. If they want to get back in it, they need some bullpen help pretty bad. And so hopefully the Royals can uh, take a look at that. Moving on to draft candidate. Mike, who's your draft candidate for this selection? Who, do, who would you like to see the Royals take? Well, I, I only deleted like two guys from the draft that I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to pick them because there's no way that they're going to be with us. And that was uh, Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens from LSU. Uh, I think both of them are going to be long gone. This guy is likely to be gone before the Royals pick at eight. And that's Wyatt Langford, the 21-year-old uh, outfielder from the University of Florida. I've always said that the Royals have to draft and develop or sign from Latin America or internationally anywhere uh, power because they're not going to be able to afford it on the open market. Wyatt Langford has that plus raw power. And so that's something that I feel like he could be very good at. Um, The defensive home is kind of a mystery still at this point. He played left field at Florida, but there are people who have talked about him possibly playing center because he does have the speed. The thing that he doesn't have defensively is the arm. He's got a very average arm strength, but he's got some solid bat to ball skills. He's got a good approach, more walks than he has strikeouts. And he has that power potential and that's why they have him ranked so high. And that's the reason why the Royals are not likely to take him. But this is the Major League Baseball draft. Anything could happen. Okay. And so I say give it a shot. I'm going to go with Matt Shaw as my um, dream draft candidate. Not dream draft candidate, but I actually think they have a realistic shot of getting Matt Shaw. Uh, I don't think they're going to get Wyatt Langford. I think he gets taken before uh, they ever have a chance to, though he would be great too. Matt Shaw might be the best college hitter in this draft. And the Royals could really use, I mean, could use an impact bat. They, they took Gavin Cross last year. He's struggling with strikeouts. They're still hoping that they can turn him around. I'm, you know, I'm not going to get too down on him. I know some people are really down on the fact that he's striking out so much. That's an adjustment. And then maybe he's better, you know, like we saw Nick Prado make that adjustment. We saw Jim Melendez make that adjustment. Perhaps he makes that adjustment too, and, and he'll be fine. Whatever. Matt Shaw is an excellent hitter. He has a great approach to the plate. He has power. He has a good hit tool. He can hit. The reason he's not, if you go to MLB Pipeline, I think there's the, he's like their 14th, 15th, 21st, something like that overall pick, or 21st on their big board or something like that, is because he doesn't have a defensive position, right? He's got some speed. He's, they give him a 60 grade as a runner. He's not a big physically imposing guy. He's only like 5'11", but he can hit. 
And if you, he's got like 27 home runs or something like that for Maryland this year, a guy who did it on the Cape, he's just a really good hitter all around. And in my mind, if you're going to do something at eight and the, maybe the best college bat is available to you, you take maybe the best college bat because he can get it done that he's a guy who they could move fairly quickly. If he has to play second, have him play second. If he has to play left field, have him play left field. Fine. He can runs enough to do both. He can maybe be able to play center field. You don't have to have a super strong arm to play center, especially if you can go get it out there. But you'll find a defensive position for him. Go get the guy who you think has the potential to be a 900 OPS guy. Go get him. Okay. Yeah, the, clo- the closer we get to the draft, the more I'm liking Matt Shaw's bat and the less I am confident that he'll be able to play shortstop. Um, and oh, so... Won't. Yeah. And so I do think though he could handle second base. I really do. He he'll have, I think, about the same level of arm as as Michael Massey, who doesn't have a who has a very average arm, but I I think you stick him at second and you go, we might have one of the best hitting second basemen in the league. Like the guy yeah. I, I believe in his power potential. I believe in his approach. I, I really like the bat of Matt Shaw. Um yeah, I think he's definitely gonna be there at eight too. So uh, you know, this is uh, to me he's like uh he's like uh Jace Young was last year. Uh it was like a no brainer on the bat and who knows where he's going to play defensively. And he, he went past eight at the Royal or he went past the Royals at where were they picking last year? Six. Did he end up going eight? I can't remember, but Um, the Royals passed up on him when everybody said they should have taken him. Uh, Yeah. I see. I don't know that teams are going to make He's to me. Shaw's a balloon guy, like our helium guy or whatever. I think he he might get in the next month. He might. Well, here's the thing. Like we know that the top, like I was mentioning before Mike's headphones went haywire. I wish people weren't so certain about how they think the draft will fall, especially since we know every year something weird happens in the top 10 and you know, we're unexpected, you know? And so who knows? Maybe Langford does make it down. Don't know. Who knows? Maybe Shaw does sneak into the top 10. That's the one thing that I'm like, I'm not real sure that Matt Shaw will be there, but I know somebody talented will, but I think there's a decent chance Shaw will be there. And if they are, I, I, he's be quickly becoming my number one option, realistic option for the Royals at eight. All right. We spent too much time talking about this. Mike, give us your wild card. Who are you taking as a wild card chance to improve this roster? Wild card. Okay. I'm going with a guy named Mason Montgomery, a 22 year old uh, left-handed pitcher out of the Rays organization. And the reason he's a wild card for me is just because I feel like these are the guys that the Rays Rays never get rid of until they've already performed at the major league level. And then they get like a lot more back for them. Um, but he's kind of a weird thrower. He's got like a hitch in his delivery, which creates a ton of deception. And that makes his low to mid nineties fastball, his absolute best pitch. And it's his best pitch by a lot. And so he has gotten to double a accumulating tons of strikeouts, mostly on the back of a, just a fastball. Um, his command is pretty good, but his walk numbers have been higher than what his command grades are, which is kind of weird. You know, so they say, oh, he's got 55 or 60 grade command, but he still walks guys at a little bit higher rate. I do believe that that'll improve as we go along or as he goes along. And he is throwing a slider a little bit more, which makes it, you know, kind of a, a better secondary pitch. He needs to develop another secondary pitch and continue to work on his slider. But when I look at guys like, okay, well, what can the Royals organization actually do? They have shown just this year a little bit of an ability to improve guys' secondary pitches. And so I think he's the kind of guy that you hunt for as a prospect that's outside the top 100 that could really end up, that has a good chance of making a starting rotation someday. I equate him, if you're like, oh, well, what do you compare him to? Chris Bubich this year. 
is what I compare him to. Now, he doesn't have a secondary pitch like Bubich's changeup, but his fastball is better than Bubich's. His command is better than Bubich's, and they both pitch from the left side. They're roughly the same size. Both had really good college careers, uh, those types of guys. So uh, what, I'm, what uh, level is he at? Double A. Okay. He's he's doing well in double A right now, and he killed okay. single and at high A. He did he blew through both those in the same year. So I'm going with a guy who's at high A right now as my wild card, and that's Chase Petty. He's a 20 year old right hander in the Reds organization. He's at high A for them right now, similar to Brock Porter a little bit, though I don't think he's he's definitely not thought of as as well as Brock Porter is. Who you know Brock Porter, and the reason why honestly is Brock Porter has the stereotypical starting pitcher's body, and Chase Petty doesn't. Chase Petty's only six foot one. Not a huge guy up there on the mound, but he's really athletic, and I think that's going to help him a lot. I think that's going to help him repeat his mechanics a bunch, help with his um, command and control, allow him to be at least average when it comes to uh, command. Right now he's got a .90 whip, a .45 ERA. That's right. His ERA is under half a run right now. Now he's only thrown 20 innings right now because he started the year with a little bit of an injury, but he's got 23 strikeouts and only five walks in 20 innings pitched. That's really good. Good stuff. Good athlete. He's a guy who, who, who would it take to get him? Mm, he'd have to be the centerpiece of a trade. They're not going to throw him in with someone else, but I think you might be able to get him for like a Scott Barlow and a kicker, maybe Scott Barlow and a, mm, couldn't do Scott Barlow and Nikki. Edward Alvarez. Maybe Nikki a Lopez. Scott Barlow and a Nikki Lopez, maybe Scott Barlow and like a, if you wanted to reach into your own organization, Brewer Hickland or something like that, uh, something where you're like, okay, here, here's a guy who, you know, or even like a Logan Porter, like a Scott Barlow and a Logan Porter, where you're like, okay, this guy's probably never going to be a superstar in the major leagues, but you know, yeah. you're taking Dyron Blanco. Uh, maybe he's having a really maybe good year. He's having a really good year. So <laughs> they might need him. Uh, but anyway, Chase Petty, he's a guy I'd love to see the Royals uh, take a shout out. The Reds need um, some bullpen help and you know, who knows if they want to sort of compete or not, but uh, they're right now. They're not that far away from the top of the NL central. So uh, Mike, what was your thought process in choosing the people you chose this? What was the sort of thinking behind this on a broad scale? Yeah. For the trades, I was looking at guys that I could be excited about. It's that simple. I was like, you know what, if, if we're going to trade for a guy, I want to be able to dream on him, you know, to know that, he could be the front end of a rotation in a couple years, maybe not even two years, maybe it's three years. That's why I ended up landing on Brock Porter. I also looked at a lot of those other guys and said, well, you know, yeah, he's maybe in AAA right now, but you know, uh, he's, he's, he's missing this one thing. Like his control is not great. Or I was actually going to go with a guy from, uh, from Cleveland's or organization. He's got an 80 grade fastball, Espino, I think is his last name. Espino, I don't know how you say it. Um, he has the highest grade you can have for a fastball. And uh, But I was like, you know, Cleveland's not going to trade with you. I don't know if they're in a position where they want to really even make trades yeah, right now. I so. don't think uh, they're not making trades. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, it's like, they're not buying not at the deadline. You know? And so I said, well, you know, Texas is a team that needs players. They're in a good position to win right this year. Uh, and so I ended up landing on Brock Porter because of that. For the draft, I went with I went with the same thing. I will... The Royals will always have to develop power. They are not going to buy it. And so I went for a guy who was like, hey, is it likely that Lankford falls to eight? No. Is it possible? Yes. And he's the guy I thought that fit the Royals profile best, but still had power potential. 
Yeah, my my thinking was along a lot of the same process. I'm looking for upside pitching in those trades. I think they got to be looking for upside pitching all the way. Like, I think one of the things that will cause me to be a little down on this trade season is if they do what they've done in the past and they try and get like bulk three prospects who are all fucking 40 yeah. quantity instead of quality. Exactly. If they, if they try that, I'm like, you know, I don't need another TJ Sekima, another Beckway, another, you know, that doesn't do anything for you. So Hoffman, <laughs> you don't need Hoffman. Well, again. It's, it's um, nothing against those guys, but like, they're never going to like the odds of them ever being an impact starting pitcher in the major leagues are really, really long. Okay. Yeah. And, and here's the thing the, the messed up thing is the pitching depth is so bad in, in the organization that that quantity is actually needed, but you can't do it at the expense of, well, we're getting a bunch of guys to make the minors. Great. Well, great. Well, they're never going to make it to major league baseball. So, or they, if they do, it's going to be as a back end guy, which are somewhat replaceable. And so, yeah, I agree. I, I've always been a guy that said, no, you go out and you get a, the best guy you can. If you get a reliever as well, okay, but you're looking for what is that number one center piece? And if I don't get anything else, that is fine. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be the case. So that's what I was looking for in the trades. For the draft, just take the best hitter you can get, honestly. At eight, take the best hitter you can find. Now, if all the good hitters are gone, obviously look somewhere else. But at that point, at eight in this draft, they're going to be good college hitters available. Take the best hitter that they can get. And that's, I think, probably Matt Shaw. So hopefully that ends up happening. The Royals come back home to lick the wounds of a windless road trip this week. They'll start with a three-game set against the Cincinnati Reds before a day off and a three-game weekend series against the Los, the Angels of Los Angeles. Mike, tell us about the Reds, a team with a lot of young, exciting talent who I'm guessing the Royals fans wish they were a lot more like. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, I I thought Daniel Lynch was going to be going against the Angels. It looks like he's going to be in the Reds series. Um yeah, the Reds have some exciting players. I mean, the most probably the most exciting young player to come up this year so far in Ellie De La Cruz, tearing it up for the Reds right now. They've got Hunter Green. Luckily, we're not going to have to see him. In that first game, it looks like it's going to be Zach Greinke versus Luke Weaver, Royals legend Luke Weaver. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> uh, How's Emmanuel Rivera doing this year? I'm going to check real quick. You look at that, I'm going to check and see how he's doing. <laughs> He's still he's still starting for them every day, I believe, in Arizona. Uh, Luke Weaver's a 29-year-old right-handed pitcher out of Florida State. 6.27 ERA. 6.27 ERA. 1.42 whip. He is not doing very well at all. He's got a fastball in the mid-90s. Change-up, cutter, curveball. His fastball and his cutter have been getting destroyed this year. Hold one. Just want to update everyone. Emmanuel Rivera is currently hitting 353 for the Arizona Diamondbacks in 100 in 108 plate appearances <laughs> this year. 389 on base and a 471 slugging. And that's a 135 weighted runs created plus. He has been worth 0.7 WAR, and I'm guessing it would be higher, but his defense is probably terrible. Uh, let me check. He's a he's a solid defender at uh, third. He is not grading out well defensively. Minus one and a half on Fangraphs, but still, he is killing it for Arizona. We, tra- 135 we traded plus, him people. for Luke Weaver or for two weeks of Luke Weaver or something like that. Just throwing that out there. It's going to get even better because I have a trivia question for you here in a second. Uh, in that second game, Jordan Lyles versus Brandon Williamson, a 25-year-old right-hander, or sorry, left-hander out of TCU. He's not doing well either with a 5.4 ERA and a 1.43 whip. Uh, fastball in the low 90s, a cutter, a slider, a changeup, a curveball. Very even pitch mix. Uh, doesn't throw any of those more than 30%, so he's going to kind of mix it up a little bit of a junk baller. So is the next guy we'll face when Daniel Lynch goes against Ben Lively. Also okay. Royals legend. Uh, 
Okay, that's and here's where your, your your trivia question comes in. Do you know how many major league innings Ben Lively pitched for the Kansas City Royals? Eight. One. A ah. single inning pitched for Ben Lively at the major league level. He did spend a little bit more time in AAA. He's a 31-year-old righty out of Central Florida. 4.21 ERA. His whip isn't too bad at 1.13. He's a he's a soft tossing righty. Low 90s fastball. Slider, sinker, changeup, curveball. Hitters have been loving to hit that slow, uh, low 90s fastball. And so hopefully the Royals are not going against a great starting pitching for the Reds. And so hopefully we can win some games there. Then we got the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim coming oh, into town, Mark. Are, are they still Los Angeles? I, I don't know. I don't know if they're still in they Anaheim, Anaheim or not anymore. Anaheim, no, who cares? But Mark, give us the preview uh, on that Angels series, huh? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Trout and Otani are getting a little more help offensively this year than they have in years past, which is why they're a little bit, I think there are two or three games over 500 this year. Um, they're getting good years from a guy named their catcher, Matt. I'm going to call it Matt Thace or Thace. Thace. Don't know exactly. They're also getting a good year from Brandon Drury, average years from a few others. So they don't have anybody completely sinking that lineup right now. Uh, the rotation is still a struggle bus for the Angels, as it has been for many years. Only Otani, he is the only one with an ERA under four and a half in that rotation. Everyone else has four and a half or above, or, uh, you know, some of them are much, much more above that. And so Looking not a great you, pitching staff. Royals legend, Luke Weaver. <laughs> no, Luke Weaver plays for the Reds. How can he be for the Angels? Oh, sorry. My uh, bad. <laughs> he can't pitch for both teams and be terrible. He's got to be terrible he, he, for but, one team. But didn't he start? Didn't he start his I career? Think, or was that the other Weaver? That's, I that can't. Oh, you're for... thinking you're thinking of Jared Weaver. Okay, I'm thinking of Jared Weaver. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally different Weaver. Well, this week's episode, like we had every episode, with our just about outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, what a week it's been. You know, the wheels uh, are coming off the podcast too. By the way, <laughs> you're our Mike, you're our creative Mike, director. Get it, get it together. I'm an ideas man. Okay, I'm not the <laughs> yeah. tech guy. My headphones went out. I got the wrong team for one of the Weavers. I think I might have been thinking about the wrong Weaver the whole time. I'm not even sure. <laughs> well, tell us uh, what you did last week. And I, I can tell you, it makes you sound like you're 105 years old. I tell you what, the only Weaver I care about is Dream Weaver. <laughs> okay, that's it. Uh, no, I am 100 years old, but that's why our 72-year-old mother, 71 actually, I think, uh, came garage sailing with me this Friday. We had our citywide garage sale in the great hamlet of Greenwood, Missouri. And I love garage sales. You know why? Just go to the rich neighborhoods. Okay. See what the rich people are selling and buy it. And you don't have to buy new stuff. I spent $50 on Friday and got like everything my son will need clothing wise and toy wise. I got some other stuff for my wife and I as well. Like all of it for 50 bucks. Like why don't people... Average normies, normies out there like me, just middle class normies, go to garage sales. It, they're awesome. You know, find out when the richest neighborhoods in your area are having garage sales and go buy the. I buy so much stuff that was never taken out of boxes. It's like it's brand new stuff. These people just didn't use it. Okay. I went to a garage sale, no joke, in like the one of the like houses over $800,000 in this area. And if I, if we had gone to this garage sale before my wife had our child, we could have bought literally every single thing we would have needed from this garage sale. And most of it was either, either like new or brand new condition. It was unbelievable. We ended up buying a bunch of stuff for my son there still. 
and some stuff for my my wife and I. It was it's unreal. I love garage sales. I wish they were you know year round. Mike got me a, a not even out of the box ceiling fan. I got him a brand new ceiling fan at that garage sale. They they 40, had two of them, brand bucks. new that had never been taken out of the box. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, garage sales. They're great if you're you know Mike or a thousand years old, one or the other. Uh, and so yeah, have fun. I'm going to talk about something that I just did today, a joyous experience that I had. There's this bakery nearby, and I really like one of the things that they make. It's like a bacon egg biscuit sandwich. And I decided, hey, stop spending $1,000 at this bakery buying these things and try and make it yourself. And so I have now made a bacon egg cheddar chive biscuit sandwich that is so good. And I'm so proud of myself for doing it too. I never learned to cook growing up. I never learned to cook. I'm 37 years old. I haven't really learned to cook yet, but my partner has been teaching me to cook over the course of the last two years. And I'm occasionally doing these little projects cooking wise that I can feel really good about. So I made these bacon egg, I'm naming them like bacon egg cheddar chive biscuits. And I felt so accomplished. And I took a picture of it and I sent it to Mike and I sent it to my mother and I sent it to my partner. And I'm like, I can do it. I'm a baker. You know, like, and I was like so happy that I now have these things that I made for myself. They're delicious, by the way. And I have them for the whole week because I made like seven of them. And so I'm going to just like, I'm not going to eat one every day because they have bacon on them and I'm, I don't want to die of a heart attack, but like, I'm going to spread them out over a little course of a while and I'm going to eat well, I'm eat well for breakfast for the next couple of weeks as I'm diving into these bacon, egg, cheddar, chive biscuits. That's what well, listeners, if you don't know this about uh, Marcus, he is a very intelligent person, Super. but there are some practical things that have always escaped mm-hmm. him. Okay, like normal living adult things like being able to cook for yourself and do your own laundry and all these types of things, they are way over his head. Okay, Um, and now so in the last like what I'd say four or five years since he's owned his own home and stuff, he started to learn like about home repair and cutting down trees when he lived in Virginia, became kind of a lumberjack. Um, Now he's going to start cooking. It's I'm so proud of you, baby bro. We're I'm the so same age. We are the exact same age. <laughs> I was born first, man. Yeah, right? and that, that is not an, uh, an untrue ca- characterization of me. I, I, I do like, you know, you want me to tell you about the history of Christianity? I'm all over it, you know, like, uh, but, you know, tell, ask me about, you know, how to, you know, do anything handyman related. And I'm yeah. like, I have mm-hmm. no idea. Uh, and so, you know, it is what it is, but I am learning to cook. Bacon, egg, cheddar chive biscuits are a thing now. Look out. Sounds good. They are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all we have for this week. Tune in again next week when we talk about more Royals baseball. Who knows if uh, we have any wins by then? Not really sure. Let's get a win. Let's, Let's get, get a win. win. Uh, if they One do win, win. I One promise win. Mike One will shave win. his head for this podcast. <laughs> Not going to happen. We'll see you next time. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals. <laughs> <laughs>